Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I'm uh, Aaron Snyder, and Frank the Tank is back in the office from Predator Hunting. What's uh, up? Frank, did you have any cats get you? Any cougars, specifically? This week, we were not after cougars, but on a weekly basis, <laughs> I sort of am. Just kidding. <laughs> what, what game did you track down? The North American Panther? We, we, <laughs> we bagged a couple coyotes. Uh, fox. We got four coyotes and one fox. So. What did the fox say? He said, "Ow!" Did he? Did you? Did you? Did he like go down in one shot? He went back into the forest for a while and went back to his home. Did you track him by uh, walking through the woods, listening for him going, "Ow! Ow! Ow! That seventeen fireball! Ow! It's too small." <laughs> Who shot the fox? Dan shot the fox with the seventeen fireball, which is smaller than. This isn't podcast appropriate, so it's a small round. Yeah, but uh, I was, you know, I was using the the AR the two twenty three. So, um, you know what else I'm curious about podcast appropriate? For some reason, I have a gun on my shoulder, which uh, Dana is wonderful. She's up front. She's great. Uh, but was it her idea or yours for me to have a gun on my shoulder right now? I kind of just wanted us to desk pop. A desk pop. Yeah, dude. I don't know what this is. I don't think this is a desk pop appropriate weapon. Dude, this is a freaking lowland canyon i have on my shoulder <laughs> does this look like a desk pop gun would, dana said no it'd be loud i got the more desk pop appropriate gun here i a desk pop is good for releasing stress the only thing is when you do a desk pop with a bow it just doesn't work quite the same <laughs> well and there's people in offices above us so not right above you well then just send it yeah yeah just send it so <laughs> Uh, so actually today, even though I'm holding a gun, strange as this is, we're actually going to talk about <laughs> tuning, bow tuning and broadhead tuning. Um, so I'm going to put the gun away now. Um, did you get everything you need? All right. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dana was up, up, updating uh, the Insta story. You rock. Thanks, Dana. <laughs> so we got the thumbs up. So yeah, bow tuning. Um we have been getting a lot of questions. Sorry, people, I'm putting my desk pop gun away. We get a lot of questions on how do you tune a bow? You know, the, what you know does a, a 125 broadhead affect uh, the tune of my bow compared to 100? I need to add weight to my arrow, but I don't want to swap arrows. Tons of stuff. Now, I will say that we will do much more in-depth uh videos on bow tuning later when we have the uh gear lab ready as well as the podcast studio ready we haven't moved over there yet so this is just going to be a verbal rundown of how i tune my bow uh, some of the stuff may not make sense exactly when i start talking about yoke tuning um you know or maybe twisting the cable guard out to add pressure um but I, i'll just give you a, a decent idea Shouldn't take more than 30, 40 minutes. I'll try not to make it boring, but if this is just going to be how I get every bow and how I tune every one, meaning, you know, from paper tuning to group tuning, all of that stuff. Frank, you do pretty much the same thing, you know, now, I guess, just because you're, you know, we're always together when we shoot. Um, yeah. I mean, have you? I've, I've learned a lot from you and um, the guys at the bow shop, Phil, of course, um, Hognuts. That's Jason. That's his nickname, Hognuts. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen him. I'm only assuming. But. <laughs> yeah. And Bo. I don't know if I said Bo already or not, but um, he's yeah. actually Bo is Squirrel Nuts. He's Squirrel <laughs> Hognuts and Squirrel Nuts. Now those you guys and um, you guys help me out a lot and 
you know, I'm, we're basically always together when we're shooting. So I learn, I try to watch as much as I can and try to learn. I do have a bit of a learning issue with listening. No. So it definitely, t- <laughs> it takes me a few times, but, um, I've been trying to kind of watch and, and, and learn as much as I can. Cause there's, there can be a lot that goes into it, but once you kind of get the, the basics, it, it works a little, you know, it goes more smoothly about anything, you know? Yeah, and I think the way that everybody, not everybody, uh, there's a few different methods of tuning. Uh, a lot of it's just how you were taught, um, you know, whether how important paper tuning is, how important bear shaft tuning is, uh, how important just flat out, you know, tuning your, you know, getting a, a bullet hole and then tuning your broadheads after that. Um, you know, there's a few basic uh, things I want to go over that are like, in my opinion, um, like a, a must, like when you, when you get your, uh, you, you know, your bow, um, when you get your bow and you get your bow set up, one thing that I think is extremely important before you start any tuning, before you start, uh, you know, anything, when, once you get your, like your P pipe set and your D loop set, uh, is to make sure that your bow is, 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 is as simple as this seems is the correct draw length. Because if you, you get your bow, you think it might be too long of a draw length, you're unsure, you start to sight it in, you start to tune it, you're going to probably have, and, and or too short, either one, but it's going to be harder, uh, it's harder to, to, to shoot a bow consistently if it's especially too long of a draw length, it's certainly hard to get broadheads to hit in the same spot. If your draw length's too long, you have imperfections in form, uh, you're, you're not as consistent, you're, it's not as repeatable. So, you know, before you start tuning anything, make sure somebody looks at your draw that knows what they're doing at a pro shop. Even if you have to take a photo and post it up online, uh, you want to make sure you have good uh, alignment um, with your bone structure or your, your, you know, bone structure alignment, whatever it's called. Um, you're not leaning way far back. You're a good T. Uh, you know, in a good tee, meaning your elbow is not too high or low, not out to the left or in, inside or out. Uh, the next thing you want to make absolutely certain when you have your arrows, that your arrows, when you buy them for that specific bow, uh, the hope is, you, you know, you either already know the bow is going to fit and you know what arrow you're going to shoot. But once you get the bow to fit you correctly, that you buy the arrow that fits that bow best. And that was something I had trouble with for a while because i would try to use old arrows which works sometime meaning arrows i'd had on my bow before um or i you know a buddy would have a bunch of arrows he'd given to me and you want to match the arrow to the bow not match the bow to the arrow uh if if uh that makes any sense meaning you're not going to get the best broadhead or arrow flight you possibly could if you're if you're using stuff that isn't paired perfectly with the, the bow you have um you know, the next thing, once you have the the correct arrow uh, spine, the correct arrow setup, uh, you want to make sure as far as broadheads go, spin every broadhead and make sure every broadhead spins true. Uh, you want to make sure when you cut your arrows, make sure they're square. I've talked about that before. If, if someone's cutting your arrows and they're not paying close attention or the saw is bad and you don't have a perfect end or cut on that arrow, uh, that can cause incorrect um, alignment with the broadhead and it'll wobble all over the place. You got to make sure that broadhead, even on a mechanical, spins well. And uh, Frank, that's something you just started doing, isn't it? Yeah, I think we talked about this before when I when I first started bow hunting. Cause I, didn't, I, don't, I haven't been bow hunting that long, probably now, 
probably six or seven years. But when I first started bow hunting, I didn't know any anything about that. And you know, you had to shoot your broadheads before you went out hunting. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, once I started working here and, and shooting with you a lot, we we went over broadhead tuning and, and spinning your arrows and spinning your spinning your broadheads. And um, a lot of the time, you'll get the broadheads out of the package, and none of them will be uh, spinning exactly perfectly. So you got to you know you got to flex them on the table and bend them straight, but uh, that's something that I think is, is hugely important and something that's overlooked a lot. Yeah, definitely. Definitely something overlooked. You know, once you do that, um, you know, meaning, you know, you got the bow, the bow is fitted, the arrows are the proper spine to the bow and point weight, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, you want to make sure, obviously, the broadheads, uh, that's correct as well. Another thing that... Um, is a, is a bit overlooked and not necessarily like paramount, but you want to make sure your second and third access, um, access is level on your site. Um, so let's say perfect scenario, bullet holes, broadheads grouping, but you're shooting to the left of the dot at 20 and you're shooting to the right of your dot at 60. That means your, 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 your level is off on your site. So you want to make sure, and there's tons of videos on this, but, but basically your, your level, um, you know, as far as up and down, um, that would be like your second axis, just like a normal level. If you were met, um, you know, just like putting a level on top of a, a bathroom, like a curb in your bathroom. Um, but you also have the in and out portion Meaning literally as you're looking, you know, as you're holding the bow, your housing is out there, flexing it away from you or towards you also affects that. And that's your third axis. And you want to make sure that's all correct. Otherwise, you'll shoot to the left close up to the right far away. Um, you know, you'll shoot to the right going. Is it left going downhill, right going uphill? Either way, everything's all screwed up and nothing good comes out of it. Yeah. So make sure that that's um you know, done correctly as well. Um, Hamski makes a arrow or a, a, a leveling device so you can check your level at full draw. Um, what they say is like the, the riser can bend uh, and, and that'll affect your second and third axis as well. So make sure all that stuff is, is good. I, I can't stress enough either. I can guess what arrow I need to shoot and have no problem, but you have to take into consideration when you order arrows if you are like, okay, I'm at 70 pounds, 28 and a half inch draw length, I can shoot a 350 or a 300 spine, let's say. But you know, you want to put some point weight up there. A lot of times I'm finding what's happening is if someone needs a 350 spine and for a 100 grain tip, they'll order that and then they'll put a 50 grain brass insert up front in that arrow you're not in that same spine chart anymore. You're going to have to drop down normally, especially with 50 grains up front. Um, so if you're going to shoot a lot of point weight, make sure to take that into considerations when you're, uh, consideration when you're ordering arrows. If you, uh, let's say, I mean, Frank, what are you, well, g give me your specs for your bow and your drawing. Uh, 28 inch draw that hybrid I have is, um, uh, 70 pounds right on for that bow. I have the, uh, Injection 330s, the FMJ injection 330s. Mm -hmm. um, 125 grain tip, uh, just their standard insert. And Would, I think the arrow is like, I can't remember, 4, 490 or something, 490 grains. And, and that's a pretty good uh, example of, of closer to textbook. You know, 70 pounds, 
28 inch draw. You're looking at, uh, you're, you know, you're probably 350 is probably a little weak uh, unless you're running a super lightweight point, uh, which I don't suggest. So you're going to need to go down one chart to maybe a 300 or a 330 if you're uh, going to have extra point weight up front. So just make sure that you take into that into consideration. As far as tuning goes, you know, when I get a bow, um, you know, get it in the shop. I put it on the press um, or the vice, not the press. And I put all the parts and components on. I get the arrow rest and knock point uh set. Uh, and when I say set, meaning I tie my D loop in 90 degrees, uh, to where at 90 degrees, the arrow is coming off the string and crossing the center of my burger hole or the hole for the bolts that holds your arrow rest on. I want my, my arrow to basically be in the middle of that pretty close. Sometimes I'll set it up a little bit knock high out of the gate. I've had a lot of bows tuned just a hair knock high better, uh, especially with the drop away arrow rest. Uh, I've had a few bows, one Hoyt, actually one of my primes, uh, tuned knock low, which isn't really characteristic. I mean, most bows don't do that. But I make sure that that, from the vise, when I'm leveling it out, I am uh, 90 degrees or a hair knock high, uh, meaning my knock is higher than my point as it's, going across the arrow rest as far as left and right i redneck it i literally eyeball from center of limb pocket center of limb pocket follow the string down kind of follow the arrow down in the center of the string and just eyeball it and get it close because i can move that easily left and right knocking points a little bit different change moving the d loops a little bit of a pain but my left and right i may or may not need to move and so i just eyeball my center shot and that's what that's called um, on some bows, I'll eyeball it down the stabilizer, depending upon where that the stabilizer lines up with everything else, the, the hole where the stabilizer screws into. Uh, I'll line all that up, and I just wing it. Um, I, don't, I haven't put my peep in yet. I've got everything on. I then go and I level my bow, or I level my sight. And that is second and third axis, meaning I, I level it the second axis first, and then I pivot the vice back and I make sure, you know, then I do the same leveling check and I pivot the vice. So I'm aiming like I'm aiming downhill. And that tells me if I need to move my housing out or in, and we'll go into a much more detailed video with that. Uh, Cause the video will explain a lot more. Once all that's set up, I haven't even drawn the bow yet. Um, other than with my fingers, I know it's close. Um, so I'll, I'll put a standard length D loop on there, which is generally right in that half inch to five eighths long for me. Once that's on there, I'm going to walk over and I'm going to check the draw length. Just literally draw it back, make sure the let off is feeling correct, the poundage is correct, the draw length is correct. Most bows nowadays, not all, but most, uh, relatively easy to change the, uh, the draw stops uh, or limb stops. It'll change the let off a little bit as well, but that'll also change the draw length as well. You can change the draw length on the cam. So I'll get that honed down pretty well, you know, and I'm just drawing the bow. I'm not worried about the paper tune. I'm just making sure the draw length fits me correctly. And sometimes that's a matter of just adjusting the length of the D loop. I'm one of those guys that's right in that weird um, draw length where 
I'm not 28 and a half with a D loop making me 29 is a little short. 29 with a normal D loops a hair long. So I usually got to do a little fudging depending upon uh, what kind of bow I'm shooting. Uh, each each model and brand is a little bit different. Um, if you shoot a I won't mention any models. Some bows come in longer than they should. Some bows come in correct. I've never seen a bow come in short. Um, they all fudge just a hair. Uh, but in the case of with the Prime, I'm a 29. I shoot a 29. I shoot a short inch, short D loop. That has always worked well for me. Um, usually a 29 inch draw, unless the manufacturer, some companies, I got to shoot a 28 and a half. So, all right, now the draw length is good. I feel comfortable with it. My peep sight, I put that in. That is set. So my peep um, is at the correct height and it's turning correctly. I, I get all that stuff um, perfected before I start shooting any arrows uh, through paper or anything. Just because if that's not correct, I'm not going to have correct arrow flight. Because, um, you know, pressure, uh, different things change when your draw length is too long and so on and so forth. So now, um, now it's time to shoot some arrows through paper. I just, I fling a few. I know the arrow is spined correctly. So ideally any tears left or right, knock high or low are not going to be from the spine of the arrow. It's going to be from me or the adjustments needed to be made on the bow. So let's say, well, Frank chime in. What do you, what do you, would you say you predominantly tear coming out of the bow? Knock low, knock left, knock high left. What usually happens? Uh, geez, I don't know. Um, I want to say that I had a, a high tear, uh, when I was on both of my bows recently and just had to move the rest up a little bit, but, um, that's generally what I, what I've been seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, when that happens, there's, you know, several things that can come into play. And one thing actually I forgot just a second ago that I also, I totally screwed this up. I should have added. I make sure my cams are in sync um, on a draw board. Totally forgot that. That is another primary thing I do. I make sure if there's sync uh, markings on the cam that those are in line and then the draw pegs hit at the same time. So meaning my, my bow is also tuned up. So when I'm at full draw, my top peg isn't hitting the limb before my bottom and the cams are in line or however your specific system works. I make sure all of that's correct as well. Cause that can be a huge problem. If you haven't checked that and start flinging arrows, you know, you see a lot of guys that one, uh, draw stop peg hits well before another and that causes huge problems. So I make sure all that's correct as well. And I, I totally space saying that, but that is very important. Um, I generally tear, tear knock left out of most bows, um, Hoyt specifically. With a Hoyt, if I tear knock left, for the most part, depending, you know, obviously I'll adjust the rest as needed if, if possible, but almost on every Hoyt, I've put three up to six twists in the left yoke. And what the yoke is, or yoke tuning, uh, at the top limb, you have two strings coming off, one off the left side and one off the right side of your limbs, and it comes down into a Y. That's your yoke. Uh, I'm going to try and keep this as, uh, le as, as little a complication in these explanations as possible. So what I'm doing is I'm putting cam lean on my top cam to get the, uh, the, the arrow to shoot straight through the paper or shoot true. Uh, some bows are differently on an elite. 
I got a knock left hair, I would usually shim the cams, meaning I'd pull the axle out. I'd put a smaller shim on the left side of the cam and a larger one on the right and shim the cam over. And then I would flex the cable rod out away from the riser. <laughs> kind of does the same thing. I'm putting some cam lean on the bow or on the cam with the Hoyt. I'm kind of doing the same thing, flexing that cable guard out or cable rod out with like an elite. Um, with um, one of the reasons I did like the prime and elite was the same, or excuse me, Athens was the same way. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. I, I just shot it and it shot a bullet hole. Um, but I generally tear knock left. Usually if you tear knock left, um, you're going to need to move your arrow rest out away from the riser. And these are very general descriptions. It's not always the case. And this is also for a right-handed shooter. So let's say I shoot, <coughs> excuse me, need some water. That's some high quality H2O fellas, <laughs> ladies out There's there. There's all kinds of stuff in that. What is that? Well, since I got another migraine this morning, I have got electrolyte mix in there. Um, more than normal, some branch chain amino acids, little raspberry drink, and a little enduro. Maybe that's why I'm getting a migraine. Enduro is um, a hell of a drug. I know, right? So I uh, I shoot, and I'm shooting knock high left. I'm shooting about a, a half inch, three sixteenths knock high, uh, meaning the paper's tearing at five feet or whatever I'm shooting through. Uh, you know, knock high three sixteenths. That's probably going to be a little bit more down the range. And then it's going to correct itself and probably be perfect by whatever it is, 10, 15, 20 yards. Um, so, and I'm tearing left. So that tells me, okay, probably I need to raise my arrow rest up because my knock, I'm coming out knock high. And so my arrow rest is down low, uh, too low. If it is at a perfect, um, 90 degrees off the string and I'm still tearing knock high left or knock high, I could have a clearance problem or I could have a cam timing or draw stop problem. Just troubleshooting. I'll figure that stuff out. Um, you know, I'll go recheck, see if anything's stretched as far as the strings and cables, make sure everything's still in sync. And then you can spray kind of a foot powder on your veins to see if you're getting contact on the arrow rest. So let's just say for, for me in my case, I never have, um, I've never really had any clearance issues. So I need to raise my arrow rest up. So I do that. Um, I raise it up and I've had to do that when I first got a bow a couple times as, as uh, things stretch, um, you know, my, my knock point may move up a hair uh, because of the dynamics of the strings and cables. Uh, so now I've moved my arrow rest up and it's shooting perfect knock height wise. Um, but I'm still tearing a hair left. Since I rednecked my center shot, I'll bump my arrow rest, um, you know, out a little bit. And when I say a little bit, it is a little bit. If I'm only tearing three sixteenths knock left, I'll just bump it a hair, just a little, little by little. Keep shooting, kind of like what? What was the, what was the painter's name? Bob Rogers. Bob, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. It's it's just it's just a pretty adjustment, just a little one. <laughs> a little just, happy adjustment. A happy little. Bump to the left. And uh, if that will generally fix it, if that hasn't fixed it, I'm going to have to look at putting pressure on my cable guard or my ca uh, cables, uh, my, my roller guard or whatever. If that's an option on a prime, there's just an Allen bolt you tighten. Um, or I've got to shim my cams over to the left. All, it just depends. Every bow is different. Um, 
I've seen some bows that just doesn't come out. They just don't tune. Um, every now and then you get a lemon. So yeah. let's say in this case, um, I just bump my arrow rest a 16th to the left and I'm rocking and rolling. I'm shooting bullet holes. I fling a few through there money. Okay. So now I don't shoot broad heads yet. Cause I feel that is, uh, kind of dumb because your shit's still stretching no matter things are settling and it does it relatively quickly on pre-stretch strings, which is pretty much what everybody does now. Um, when I first started <clears throat> winner's choice was not an option. And when they came out, that was like a godsend, right? Like you peeped, not twisting. You're not having, you know, you're not having the 250 to 500 shot stretch in period. They were pre-stretched. Everything stretches a little bit. There's plenty of different, um, what's it? 452 X, whatever. There's a shit ton of different string materials and there's a ton of different string makers. Um, but for the most part, everything is pre-stretched. Now I'll shoot for a while, just start sighting in, you know, I'll sight and shoot 20, 30, 40, just making sure it's dialed in. Once I've shot to 40 or 50, maybe even out to 80, I'm going to come back. If everything's been shooting well, I'm going to come back, shoot a few confirmations through paper. Once that's good. And I, and let's say everything worked out my levels on everything else. I'm probably going to fire a bear shaft at some point just to see how she goes. So I've had uh, plenty of times bullet arrows not shoot bullet holes but shoot great bear shafts meaning out to 40 yards my bear shaft is hitting with my fletched arrows at that point i could give a shit what it looks like through paper and in reverse if i'm shooting um i've had bullet i've had bows shoot bullet holes and for whatever reason not group tune as well so if i'm group tuning well meaning i'm just shooting groups and it's grouping well okay i'm gonna put a bear shaft in if my bear shaft doesn't hit well for whatever reason right i mean maybe it's just that day the the archery devil came down and said f you snyder we're not gonna make your day great and my it's just not hitting well um more than most likely my broadhead's not gonna shoot well either um and i'm gonna check that so if my bear shaft doesn't hit well i'm gonna put my broadhead on now, generally with broadheads, I skip 20. Um, I just go straight to 40. I don't know why. I just, that's the way I do it. Um, nothing wrong with shooting 20. A lot of the reasons shooting with 20, uh, shooting at, you know, 20, it's so close. Um, you get, I, in my opinion, you see a bit more at 40. Now, I'll shoot 20 later, obviously, but I'll go out and shoot 40 and see if my broadhead's hitting. Um, what I'll generally do is, let's say I shoot 40 and... My broadhead is hitting four inches left at 40. I don't really panic at that point. Um, I will just bump my arrow rest a hair to the right. Now, I do confirm that it's going to be hitting left at 40, 50, 60, 70, and 80. So I'll make sure that that it's, 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 it's continuing to hit left farther and farther out, just to confirm. And again, I'm sure there's tons of different ways people tune bows. This is just how I do it. I'm not saying it's the right way. It's just how I've come to do it. Um, I'll bump my arrow rest to the right to bring that back in to hitting with my field tips. And believe it or not, eventually they line up, usually, meaning you're thinking, well, if you bump your arrow rest to the right, won't your 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 field pit points hit to the right now and your broadhead will just hit in the middle? Sometimes yes, but for the most part, you'll usually end up hitting, they'll end up hitting in the same spot. I bump my RS to hair to the right, um, shoot groups. 
I'm golden, right? Okay. I am hitting perfect broadheads, field tips, arrow flights. Great. You know, the, this, the, like, you know, hearts are flying through the sky and rainbows are out. Now I'm going to go long distance, um, meaning like 80, 90 and a hundred. And where this comes into play, um, where you really find out how well your bow is tuned, um, is, uh, uh, specifically with fixed blades. And sometimes you just can't, it just doesn't matter cause there's too much drag as if I'm going to be hitting out the bottom at longer distances. Sometimes your bow can be tuned perfectly. And just because of the specific broadhead you're shooting, generally you might see a difference at 60. You're definitely going to be seeing a difference at 80 with, uh, fixed blade broadheads. Now, in, in my case, I've been lucky enough this year, I can hit all, get all mechanicals and fixed blades to hit at 80. Um, if that's with spinning, you, you got to spin the broadheads. It's very important. Um, you know, if that's all worked out, um, I hit good at 80. Now I come back into 20. I hit good. I fired a ton of arrows through my bow. I'm probably tired at this time. I put the bow away. I come back out the next day. Reason why I do this is a cold bore shot. And I feel this is very important. And I do this all the time. I want to make sure one, if anything moved, settled, whatever, you know, maybe I got too comfortable. I'm creeping out the bottom of my peep. So I was sighting and doing that because I fired more shots. This stuff doesn't really happen to me anymore, but it can. I'm just going to go to 80 and I'm going to drop bombs I'm with broadheads. I'm going to see how I'm hitting at 80 cold bore shot. I just shoot one first out of the gate. I stand there, make sure the wind's not blowing, let her rip, tater chip, see where I hit. Generally, I'm going to hit in the middle, but sometimes, and Frank, dive in here. You've had some issues with this where you just flat out, shit ain't, shit ain't happening. Um, and, and dive into some of the issues you've had. Uh, well, I mean, I, I definitely try to follow the, the same processes, but um, I think it's super important to, to come back another day or, you know, in a couple of days when you're uh, and see how you're shooting. Um, a, a lot of times since these, there's a lot to do with the whole bow toning and, and broadhead tuning and stuff. Sometimes you just gotta, if you're not shooting good that day, you gotta just put the bow away and come back in a couple of days. Cause you, you get frustrated and you get tired and you start, you know, you, you start shooting with shitty form and, and, uh, and you're not going to shoot any better than you were um, earlier in the day. You know, you, you start getting tired and, and, uh, whatever happens and you gotta kind of know, when to uh know when to hold them no yeah literally exactly i think you were saying you were singing that when i was like i'm I'm done shooting for the day um but i think a lot of times you just kind of have to know when to come back and, and come back fresh and then shoot a cold board and see what needs to be done but i think that's super important is to not get frustrated give yourself plenty of time before season to work on this stuff so you're not doing it last minute and scrambling to get it all done at least for me that's kind of what i try to do because i do tend to procrastinate no, you do not. Um, <laughs> I do too. I can't say anything about it. I can't say shit. Uh, I think one of the most important things Frank just brought up, if you're shooting bad, stop shooting. Yeah. Go home. I mean, rub one out, do whatever you've <laughs> got to do. That's just going to make your forearms tired. Well, but that's that'll keep you from shooting. Just don't shoot that day. <laughs> Go home. Um, stop shooting the freaking bow. Don't shoot it anymore. Nothing good comes out of shooting with piss poor form other than you're ingraining one shitty confidence and shitty form. 
don't shoot anymore. Put the bow away and go to the house. Come back on another day. Make sure, especially when you're shooting broadheads, that, uh, you know, the stars are aligned. You're shooting good. You've got good form. The wind's not blowing uh, because you're not going to get anything out of, other than frustration, anything out of shooting on a bad day. So uh, let's run into some scenarios. Um, You um, have, you've, you, 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 you got your bow set up. You did everything we just talked about. It's level. Everything's in sync. And you are just tearing straight knock left. And you cannot for the life you figure out high. And it's, and excuse me, it's knock high left. Um, you've tried everything in the world to get it out. Most of what's happening probably is, is a clearance issue. You're on a right-handed shooter. Your you know, lower right vein could be any of them, but your lower right vein is making contact with your arrow rest. It's not getting out of the way fast enough, and it's bumping your uh, your you know, your arrow knock high left. Um, that can you know do several things. It can take your make your broadheads take a dirt nap quick. Um, so okay, so what do you do? Well, there's a few different things. Your timing on your arrow rest can be changed on a drop away. Um, meaning when it rises and when it falls all comes into, um, account on how much tension you have, whether it's a limb driven or cable driven, you can adjust that. You can also on some arrow rests, adjust the angle or the pitch of the, the tongue or the, what's holding your arrow, meaning maybe it's just too high. You have a super steep angle. Um, you know, some arrow rests, you can make it a lesser angle, which could, could be the ticket. Sometimes it's bounce back, meaning your, your, your launcher is hitting your arrow rest and bouncing back up. Um, and then it's hitting the vein. Uh, a lot of times when you hear that big slap noise, it's usually your arrow rest slapping against the riser anyway. So check that, that will usually fix the problem. Um, let's say while you're shooting, let's say you shoot a bullet hole, um, and everything, you know, everything's right. Right. But as you're shooting, you're dropping every now and then you're, you've got one bad arrow. Um, you probably do have one bad arrow. Uh, don't, don't ever hesitate to chunk an arrow into the grouse pile. Um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of, with a lot of manufacturers, you're going to get a dud. Um, we call them outliers. You're going to just get a shitty arrow. Um, sometimes you can index the knock. So let's say you're shooting groups and you've got three money shots, and this is one reason to mark your arrows, to label them. And you got one bad one every time. Well, unless you label your arrows, you don't know if that bad arrow is a specific bad arrow, or you just break down and form one out of four times. So let's say it is a bad arrow. You've labeled it, and it's got the lowsies, right? It's, it's dropping out the bottom. Index it, meaning knock your arrow to your string and rotate it um, each time. So if it's a four fletch, you got four options, three fletch, three options, I guess I'm saying that correctly. Just rotate it. Usually you can rotate it back into the group. Um, you would be surprised what you can get away with indexing. Some guys go to the trouble, which is crazy. Tim Gillingham being one of them guys, amazing shot. He indexes, uh, and shoots bear shafts with every arrow before he, uh, moves on to fletching them and so on and so forth. So he makes sure every bear shaft shoots a bullet hole. I am not at that level of patience. In fact, I'm far from it. I have ADD. I don't have the time. If you have the time to do that, I think it's great. Um, now, I, I do 
group tune and, and, and label my arrows and find out when there's a bad one. Um, so that's an option to, to, as well. Now, once I've, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, once you got your bow dialed in, but you're not sure if you want to shoot three fletch, four fletch, a standard aluminum insert, 40 or 50 grain brass insert, 100 grain broadhead, 125, all the kind of shit that comes into play when you're building an arrow in an arrow setup. And this question we get a ton. Now, for me, I generally, meaning almost always, shoot a four fletched arrow. Uh, right now, I'm shooting uh, AAE um, veins, and they make, I don't know, 10 different types of options, right? I shoot the stealths. Uh, I think they're three inches long. Uh, Frank, what are you shooting? Uh, Vantech Normally, because you got about five dozen arrows uh, behind you. <laughs> I do. Uh, Vantech Super Spine, the three inch. I like those a lot. They're a little, they're long, but they're low profile. Um, I also shot the uh, Q2 Fusion three inch, but I, for me, it, it seemed like the Super Spines flew a little bit better for me, and they're low profile, a little less less loud. Right, and that's those are the things you got to think about. Um, if you're going to shoot a longer vein, which I prefer, I didn't used to. I was always trying to shoot shorter veins. You might want to shoot a lower profile vein, um, you know, for, for wind drag purposes. For me, uh, that AAE Stealth is about as good as money gets. I, I love that vein. Um, it's pretty quiet, um, you know, not a lot of issues. Um, you know, uh, you don't, you just don't, um, there's no right or wrong answer. You, you can't pre-pick it. Um, you, you just have to play with it. Um, Frank, you know about that. Um, <laughs> Lord, I should have been a comedian. So what I'll do is I'll set up three arrows and let's say I'm going to set up um, Easton Axis Axis 260s and I'm going to put a standard insert up front and four three inch stealth veins in the back. Then I'm going to do another, and I'm going to put a 125 grain point on that. I like to shoot a lot of weight front. Then I'm going to take same arrow, but I'm going to put a 50 grain brass insert and 125 up front. If I'm feeling a real froggy and I want to try something different, I'm going to shoot a Max Hunter, a short Max Hunter, four fletch in the back, and I'm going to put the same thing. So three more arrows with an aluminum insert, three more arrows with a brass insert. Now I know what you're thinking. I don't know. I have a fletching jig. I don't know what I'm doing. How do I do that? Well, you don't. If you don't have all that shit, you just can't. Yeah. But if you want to fletch your own arrows, you know, get a bits and burger jig and learn how to fletch them. And then, you know, a lot of this comes into more long distance stuff too. Doesn't really matter as much at 40. I'll take, let's say I've got four groups of three types of arrows. So what I'll do is one of those groups is going to be group one, next group, group two, group three, and group four. I'll color coordinate those. And this one I'm getting real serious, especially when I shoot in tournaments. And I'm going to put a target out at 80 yards. And when I shoot those groups, I'm going to circle them each time. So group one is going to be red. Group two will be black, three blue, four green. After, and I'll just sit there dropping bombs on your moms over and over and <laughs> over until I get tired. At the end of the day, guaranteed, you're going to see whether you want to or not, which of that systems because everything's equal right then the only thing different is the arrow setup meaning you're shooting in the same wind you feel the same what you know what i mean you got you got your mojo on or you don't 
one of those bastards is going to have a tighter group. So I'm going to take a string and I'm going to circle it around group one, group two, group three, and group four. One of those groups is going to be different. One's going to stand out above the rest. That's what I'm going to shoot. I mean, and that's, I mean, it's as simple as that. The color of the, you know, if the green group is the happy group, okay, then I'm, I'm, I'm money with that green group. And that's probably the system I'm going to run with. Now, if you don't have, um, the uh, ability or the the different tools to fletch up the arrows or the time or the money to you know buy all this different shit totally understandable just run <coughs> excuse me what you feel comfortable with what your pro shop has told you and what seems to be tuned the best for you a lot of times you don't you know a lot of guys don't have um the the time or or the um the knowledge to to do this type of stuff but you can learn it, it it's not that difficult Frank, you've got all your own stuff now. You're a fletching fool. You got a, a bits and burger how long ago? Oh, about a year ago or so. Uh, well, actually before last season. I like fletching. You hate it. I don't mind it. I've fletched a lot of arrows, man. I, I try to get like super anal about it when I like wrap the arrows. I try to wrap them in the same spot and get it perfect, but um, I enjoy it. I don't know. It just, well, I mean, we do it here at work, so. Gotcha. We don't have to do it at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're taking customer service calls, we're fletching arrows, we're doing podcasts. Um, so it doesn't take too much, a little bit of investment. I think a Bits and Burgers, 89 bucks now. Is that right? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think so. Because you just bought a new one from Phil. Yeah, I did. That one Bits and Burger. they're built like a freaking tank. So, it's, I mean, you buy one, it's going to last you forever. That one Bits and Burger, Jerry Rose got me in 1999, 2000. And I've had it... I mean, I'm still using it today. Um, now, the other thing that you can screw around with when you're doing this group tuning is uh, a straight clamp with offset or a helical clamp with offset or a helical clamp straight. Um, you know, that's another thing you can see what tunes better. I've never, when I say never, hardly ever do I ever, ever, ever shoot a helical clamp. I shoot straight offset with, I don't know how many degrees it is as a guess, two or three degrees. And that's, it's just worked for me. I haven't had to shoot helical. Um, so that's another thing you can screw around with. Now there's such things as like walk back tuning. Um, one thing that I would say that will get you the best, um, you will sight in the best and you will also, um, know if your arrow is kind of dropping high and low, if you're getting some tail wag, I will take a piece of tape. Um, and you have to have a, you know, certain targets to do this. And I'm going to put a vertical piece of tape on every target and a horizontal piece of tape. Um, and this is, you know, I'm already kind of halfway sighted in. This is just fine tuning. So 20, 30, 40 through 100, I've got electrical tape from 20 through 50. And then I've got a bigger tape, more like a duct tape. It's Gorilla Tape, um, just because it's easier to put your pin on um, from, you know, 50 uh, on or 60 on. Now, what this does is I will shoot my vertical first, meaning my I've taken half of my brain, so to speak, out of the equation. I'm just shooting a horizontal line. Uh, so I'm only worried about up and down, right? My left and right is a moot point. doesn't really matter. So I'm going to shoot 20 through 100 or 20 through 80 at just that horizontal tape and move my pins up and down accordingly because I've taken my brain for the left and right out of the equation. Once I've done that, now I'm going to shoot my vertical line through 20, through 80 or 100, and I'm going to move my sight in and out or see if my level needs to be adjusted at that tape. 
Now, 20 through 50, I should be hitting that electrical tape pretty close to every time. Maybe not every time, but close. Um, and same thing, vertically. Um, I should be hitting the electrical tape on out to 50, and then I've got bigger tape past that because, quite honestly, my, my pins just cover it. Sometimes I'll do a dual line of, of electrical tape, whatever. Um, that is by far the best way I have learned to sight in. You can be extremely accurate that way, even though you're doing them at the different times. Um, you just don't have as much, um, you know, tension going on in your brain, your subconscious, whatever shit you want to call it, because you're taking half the equation out of the equation. Um, so that's a good way to do that. And that's a good way to do broadheads too. Usually I'll do 20, 40 and 80, uh, with broadheads that way, just to make sure they're hitting, you know, once I've sighted in my field tips, um, I'll make sure I'm not drifting left or right or hitting on both sides. Now, one thing to remember, if you're a shitty shot, this gets thrown out the window. I mean, if you can't hit the tape and you're shooting something the size of a softball at 20 and a stop sign at 80, it's going to be pretty hard to do this. You got to have some pretty good skills behind you to be able to hit the tape. So, you know, keep that in mind as far as there's nothing wrong with that. Not everybody has time to shoot every day, everything else. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what you're going to... Good Lordy. You hear that? I do hear that. Sorry, I don't know what that is. Somebody's calling me. Sorry for the sounded like it's it. spaceships were coming through the headphones. Um, you know, keep keep that in mind. You got to be realistic to the the ability uh, that you have for your groups. Um, now, as far as broadheads, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Lay it on me. What do you? What think? did you just do over there? What? Oh, I didn't fart. That's my watch. <laughs> okay, you hear that? Yeah, I did. I, I, I didn't drop any bombs. I, I thought you did. Um, no, and that reminds me, we got to do a review on this Sunto Traverse Alpha because I just got two more emails about it. Um, okay, so broadheads. Tons of people have asked about broadheads and releases. So, you know, having problems with them. Frank and I have found lately that some of the broadheads we've been shooting, it seems like the metal they're using has degraded a bit um kill zones what do you think we get out of a kill zone a true kill zone without the practice blade shooting into a reinhardt target not many man not many lately i mean I, like i said before i like that head a lot but with the durability of the of the blades like gosh i don't know i shot my deer this year with a kill zone but i think it was last year's kill zone but um I gave you the ones I had from this year and those things just seem like they're just falling apart. Oh, uh, every, I literally, every other shot, every other arrow I shoot with a kill zone, a blades breaking off into yeah. a new Reinhardt target. Yeah. Like I said, Dan shot his, 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 uh, white tail. It didn't hit it in the shoulder or anything. The broadhead came out the other side with no, with no blades. So it's kind of disappointing. Cause I like that head a lot. Same thing with grave diggers. Um, from the grave diggers I usually got a year and a half ago, two years ago to now, um, the blades don't seem to be as sharp and uh the they're breaking off um not quite as bad as a kill zone but not not great um uh we, you had some issues with fatal steel grim reapers i think they said they have um they fixed that but we can't say guys have asking you know broadhead wise what we've had issues with um that stainless steel schwacker which i can't say i haven't shot through an animal uh, but looks super durable. Um, Frank, you shot them some, didn't you? Yeah, I've shot them into foam. I've, I haven't had any blades break. Um, they, they've been good so far. I haven't shot anything with them yet, so I can't say for sure, but they seem to be pretty good quality. I will say the packaging sucks on those, but that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, you know, as far as uh, fixed blade broadheads, some of the ones that I would say to, to take a look at, um, I like that cutthroat um, 
from uh, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. It, it's just bomb proof. It's the, that you can shave with it even after going through an animal. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, you're definitely going to have to look out at longer distances with those to make sure that your your, your bow is dialed. Um, you know, one of the things that happens is I get guys, they screw in a broadhead, the, the package says field point accuracy, and they shoot it, and it doesn't hit, and they're like, this broadhead's a piece of shit. Not really. Your bow is not tuned. Mm-hmm. You got to tune your bow, right? It's not the broadhead's fault. That There should be some fine print on those packages that say, uh, with a tuned bow, we'll shoot with field tip accuracy. Um, but yeah, um, you have had good luck with the, you've shot, um, good Lord, Dan shoots them too. Um, dang, I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. Um, Slick, slick tricks. tricks. Yeah, Slick Tricks. Slick Trick Magnum. Slick Tricks make Slick Trick makes a great head. The Wacom, um, unbelievable head. I've had really good luck with Wacoms. Um uh the uh the, the trophy taker, um, the shuttle T lock. Uh, I haven't shot that in quite a while. That's one hell of a head. People have asked me to talk about that. I just haven't shot it lately, so I don't don't bring it up. Um, you know, but that's a good head. The um uh, the Iron Will uh, broadhead is a good head. Like we've said before, it whistles a bit. Is the only downside to that? It whistles like a, a you know a vented blade broadhead will uh, will do. Um, you know that's the downside to vented vented broadheads. Um, we've I, uh, those dead meats. Um, I think they're called from G five. Uh, that's a mechanical. I love the way those fly. Probably the most accurate broadhead I've seen. Uh, I don't like the blade retainer system. Um, you know, you can yank it out of the quiver when you're shitting your pants and, and the blade will catch on the, the quiver hood potentially or anything and pop the pop it open, deploy it. Uh, but it is extreme, extremely accurate. Uh, the G5, the striker makes uh, that that thing's been money. Uh, we've been shooting out a bunch too, practicing another great head. Uh, if I had to pick two heads right now without shooting them, looking at them for a mechanical, that stainless steel schwacker would be one that looks really good. Um, and then the, uh, the cutthroat for a fixed blade, just cause it's simple and it's, unbe- you can't break it. Um, and they're so super, super sharp. That's the one I shot in Alberta that blew that, uh, that mule deer's leg in half after going through it. So that was good. Um, so yeah, I mean, that is, uh, you know, we're working on 50 minutes here and 15 of that was bullshitting, but, uh, that's pretty much how I tune, um, you know, and, 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 uh, and a very variance of, of things in the middle, um, you know, you're, you're, it's hard to do this without video, like explaining how to yoke tune or flexing the cable guard out or whatever. You just kind of learn it as you go when you're tuning. But the other thing to remember is every bow or cam system is different. So everything's going to, you, you know, you can't yoke tune a bow doesn't have yokes, right? So that's a problem. You're going to figure out a way around that. Um, you know, if you're, um, arrow rest, you're having contact issues and you've done everything you can to, to get away from that. You may have to get a different arrow rest. There's certain things you just can't get around. Um, you know, it just it just depends on the system. Um, you know, I've had a couple guys ask me about a a QA a QAD. Um, you know, they say, "What's the difference? Why would I switch to a uh, the DOA, the Arizona Archery DOA, the arrow rest I shoot? If I have a QAD, um, the the AAE looks uh, cheaper." or a cheaper version. Uh, I mean, you don't, you don't have to switch. The problem I had with a QAD, um, and maybe they fixed it. Two things. One, the launcher snapped in half in really cold weather. Um, and the other time we had freezing rain and it locked up. It wouldn't go up or down. It froze solid. 
I haven't had that problem with a DOA and I've been in some pretty shit weather. Um, and, and again, that could be something that happened to me years ago that they fixed and it's not going to happen again. It just happened that one time and I, I found something that did work for me. So I, I never, I'm not going to go back. So, but I'm not saying a QO, QAD is a horrible rest now. I'm just saying I didn't have great luck with it and I chose not to use it again, but I'm sure it's a great arrow rest. Is that, is that AAE? Can you do limb driven or cable? Just cable. Yeah. Do you, what's, what, why do you like the cable better than the limb driven? I don't. Rest. It's just the only option for the DOA. Mm. Um, and I usually, I, I shot limb driven arrow rest forever. Yeah. Um, and so I like limb driven. I don't have any issue with, with the DOA though. Um, you know, what basically happened is, is, uh, AAE signed a contract with Gritty Bowman and I've been friends with Greg Poole forever. And, uh, I had the, I think it's called the pro drop, which is a limb driven rest from them. And I, and I didn't like it as much. Greg was like, dude, you got to try the DOA. And he sent it to me, um, skeptical, uh, at first. And, uh, but I liked the fact that the arrow rest always stays up. You have to recock it. So, you know, if you shoot an arrow, you got to recock it up again. Um, it's super simple. You can't really break it. Um, it, it's just, it's just a, it's just built strong. So that I only stayed with the DOA, which is, it's, it's, it's cable driven, but it's not like it raises up as you draw it, you cock it up and then there's tension put on this, the cable, um, or, or the pull cord right at the very end that disengages it when you fire. Um, just, I, it's not exactly limb driven. Um, I don't, I think if you were going to choose a drop away, like a true drop away, like a, like a ham ski or wh- whatever, um, the a limb driven option is better. I like that better than the cable. Um, in my case, mine's not raised and lowered by the actual cable. It just puts enough tension on it to drop the arrow rest away. It's a little bit different scenario. So I think that's probably enough into the tuning portion until we can do the the videos. Um, we've got a few more podcasts to do today. Anyway, we got to hit one on the watch, your predator hunt. I think we're going to talk about releases some today too, um, just because we're getting a bunch of questions on that. Frank, you got anything to add? I don't. Oh, uh, don't forget to drop us a review on iTunes because we're going to give away that six-man TP. so that'll be a huge giveaway. So Yeah, and like. Well, uh, a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, everywhere that it's posted. Yeah, and then like uh, Kafaru Cast and uh, Aaron, A-R-O-N underscore Snyder or Tort Life. What is it? Tort underscore Life? Tort underscore Life underscore. Yeah, on, uh, on Instagram. So, yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We have had great, great feedback. Uh, make sure you keep sending the emails in with questions, even though we may not answer them all. We try. Um, and uh, the good comments, it's always good to hear. Uh, people are liking what we have to say. And uh, this, this podcast is brought to you by Spam. What else, Frank? You're oh. back on the Copenhagen. <laughs> I haven't chewed it yet. Don't do it, man. Peoples, let me tell you, I have been, I've gotten seven migraines in seven days. I've had to take these stupid, I take some sumatryptophan. Um, it's like um, generic for uh, something else I can't remember. And uh, it helps with memory too. And I, it's just, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. And this chewing, I'm wondering if... Uh, my thickness of my blood is, is changing because of how much I'm weaning down off of Copenhagen or, or what. I don't know, but I got another migraine this morning and uh, I get ocular migraines. Not that everybody probably wants to hear this shit, but I get blurry vision really bad. And if I take a pill within the first 15 minutes of getting blurry vision, um, I don't get a bad headache. I just get a dull headache. Now, 
the pill can't be good for you. If you read, the, like, there's some shit that it says on that thing that is horrible as far as potential um, side effects. That, and it makes my face itch and shit, which can't be good. So, yeah, I it, it's, a, it's a, as a last resort, I told uh, Rachel Rand to get everybody coffee this morning to grab me some Cope. It's still sitting here. Uh, there you go, flash in the can. It's like a badge. I haven't chewed it yet, but it could happen today, fellas uh, and ladies. It's a tw- it's been almost a month, I guess, on the Grizz, huh? Heck yeah, man. Well, you got to go, then you got to move down to like the skull or something. Mother damn. So, yeah, hopefully I can get rid of these migraines before I die. They're killing me. But uh, anyhow, people, yeah, again, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.